7: Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet from 1949. Then it's a thrilling episode of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, starring William Gargan from 1955. With me as always is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa?
4: What's up, Carl?
7: Ozzie and Harriet, that's what's up.
4: Well, we, we're halfway through. We yeah, may as well finish
7: started, it. Yeah, started listening to it last time. Uh, why not tune it in, right? Why not? I think people are enjoying this show called Card Tricks. It's from January twenty third, 1949. Here's the conclusion now to The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet.
1: See that man with poker deck in hand following Harriet Nelson around the dining room? That's Ozzie Nelson, father, husband, and take a card. Ozzie's always been fascinated by the art of prestidigitation. Perhaps he'll not stop with mere card tricks, but go on to greater things. Wonderful, mysterious, unbelievable feats of magic.
9: Ladies and gentlemen, in my right hand you see a pistol. In my left hand I hold a small boy. Hello, everybody. I take aim with the pistol. Hello, everybody. I pull the trigger. And in my left hand, you now see a small boy with a hole in his head. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, before me you observe a table. On the table, a high silk hat. Into this hat I shall now break several eggs. A quart of milk. Two or three... Ripe tomatoes And a bottle of ink I take the magic wand Wave it above the hat And presto I reach inside the hat and Hello everybody A small, messy boy With a hole in his head Ladies and Gentlemen, I shall now perform the greatest trick ever conceived. Standing before me, you see a long wooden box. In this hand, I have a saw. And in this hand, I have a small boy... Hello, everybody. With a hole in his head. I now place this small boy in the box. Put the lid on, and now I saw... The box is now in two pieces. I separate the pieces and...
8: Hello, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir, there's no telling how far Ozzie may progress
1: in the field of magical science. Perhaps he's about to spring one of his newest mysterious tricks at this very moment. Uh, Harriet, take a card.
6: Oh, Ozzie, please, I've got to make these sandwiches.
1: Sandwiches,
10: sandwiches, take a card.
6: All right.
10: Now I'll close my eyes while you slip it back in the deck. Okay? Now I shuffle... Harriet. Yes, dear? Give me back the card and take this slice of ham out of the deck.
6: <laughs> oh, see who's at the door, will you, dear? Hello, Miss
5: Nelson. Oh,
10: hello, Emmy Lou. Come on in.
5: I brought over the napkins Mrs. Nelson wanted to borrow for the tea this afternoon.
10: Uh, uh, take a card, Emmy Lou. Oh.
5: Oh, Mr. Nelson, do you do card tricks? Well, My goodness,
6: there seems to be no end to your talent.
10: Well, I've only been doing them for a few days. I'm really not very good yet.
6: Oh, yes, you are. You're wonderful. You're terrific.
10: Oh, thank you. Well, let me do the trick first.
8: <laughs> Here, take a card. Which one do
10: you want me to take? Any one at all. Yeah? King of diamonds. No, 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 no. Emmy Lou, you're not supposed to tell me the card. I'm supposed to tell you. You see, that's the oh. trick. I right, try it again. I'll pick a card. Let me see. Um, I'll take this one. Now, don't let me see it. Okay. Now, what do I do? We'll put it back in the deck.
8: Oh, this is so exciting! <laughs>
9: now, uh, what did you say?
8: <laughs> Watch carefully
10: now, because I'm going to shuffle. Uh, th- I look through the cards And there's the one you picked out, the five of hearts That's it, isn't it?
6: Oh, dear, I'm so sorry, Mr. Nelson I got so excited, I forgot
8: to look <laughs> <laughs> to Do it again
10: Oh, well, I better rest my fingers a while My little pinky's getting a charley horse
8: <laughs> How
6: come you're staying at home today With all these women coming to tea?
10: Well, Mrs. Nelson wanted me to stay around And sort of keep things going
6: Oh, how thoughtful, Mr. Nelson How considerate of you you're the kind of man I want to marry. Oh, Emmy You are, Mr. Nelson, a perfect darling. A man who is just one of the girls.
8: <laughs> <laughs> are you,
10: you sure you're not looking at me from an angle? I, I, I... <laughs> well, the reason I'm here is because, well, Mrs. Nelson has practically forced me to stay. You see, she wants me to entertain with my card tricks. She kept coaxing me, so I finally gave in.
5: Oh, that's just like you.
10: Well, there's another factor involved, too. Mrs. Nelson's mother has a lot of faith in astrology, and she told Mrs. Nelson... <laughs> she told Mrs. Nelson my horoscope said it'd be dangerous for me to go out today, but, of course, I don't believe in that stuff.
6: Oh, I wouldn't scoff if I were you. You're talking just the way poor cousin Susie talked before she passed on.
10: She didn't believe in astrology? No.
6: Mother wondered that the horoscope said she shouldn't go roller skating. But how can you reason with anyone 94 years old? (laughs)
8: Ozzy.
10: In here, Harriet. Just stacking... uh, Just uh, looking over my cards. Oh,
6: the girls are here and I told them all about your tricks. They're dying to see them.
10: I've been thinking it over and I don't think I'll come down, Harriet.
6: Well, for goodness sakes, why not?
10: Oh, my tricks aren't really perfected.
6: Oh, well, suit yourself, dear.
10: You mean you aren't even going to coax me?
6: <laughs> of course I am. Please come down, dear. The girls will be terribly disappointed if you don't.
10: No, Harriet.
6: Is chocolate cake? No. Vanilla ice cream? No, no. no. That attractive Missus Walker's here. She was asking if you're still as handsome as ever.
10: A chocolate cake? <laughs> The there you are, ladies. The three of clubs.
8: <laughs> please,
10: please, ladies. Not, not too much applause. I get a headache. Very. <laughs>
8: For my next trick oh, okay. I shall
10: attempt to find not one, not two, not three, but four hidden cards.
8: Oh, you can do it, Tussy Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
10: Missus Canfield. And now, if four of you will take cards, uh, Missus Douglas, Missus Buckley, Missus Donkel, Missus Walker. Uh,
8: oh, Missus Walker.
10: <laughs> <laughs> now, each of you look at your card and uh, now place them back in the deck.
9: Uh, several times.
10: Now, right from the top of the deck, one, two, three, four, your cards, ladies. Oh, hard for you.
8: Oh. Absolutely sensational. Oh, you know what you're doing, Tootsie Roll.
10: <laughs> Thank you, Mister Oh, Mr. Nelson, that was
9: simply marvelous. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you
10: very much, Mrs. Walker. Oh, Mrs. Walker, take a card. All right. Now, what shall I do with it?
8: Uh...
10: Why don't you keep it? I have a whole deck. Is
8: this one of your new tricks, Ozzy? Oh, no. You're up to your old tricks, aren't you, Dusty? <laughs>
6: Mr. Nelson, this is positively the most amazing trick I've ever seen.
10: Oh, uh, what trick is that, Mrs.
8: Gibbons?
6: Oh, don't play innocent. You know perfectly well. Look, girls, isn't he marvelous? He didn't even come near me, and here's a card in my ham sandwich. <laughs> oh.
8: oh,
10: well, that must have happened this, uh, I think if you'll check that card, you'll find it to be the Six of Salami. Now, this is a new one, girls. I think you'll like this one. Let's see. Uh, Mrs. Canfield.
8: <laughs> Very
10: quickly now, take three cards. Any
9: three. Uh, well,
8: uh, well uh, this one. Uh, this one. And this one (laughs) Now,
10: according to my calculations, they should all be exactly the same suit Take a look
8: Oh, isn't that marvelous? They're all the same Thank you,
10: ladies Here they are, the two of spades, the nine of diamonds (laughs) And the king of hearts They're supposed to be the same
8: well, they are, aren't they? They've all got bicycles on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and now, girls,
9: I think I have time for just one more trip. Now, yeah, watch camera. Well, goodbye, girls.
8: I'm
6: so glad that oh God, well, you could all come.
8: Goodbye. wonderful. Goodbye,
10: Tootsie Rolls. He's calling me Tootsie Roll. I don't know whether she thinks I'm sweet or I'm built like one.
8: what do you care,
6: dear? Everybody had a wonderful time, and you deserve all the credit. You were absolutely terrific.
10: Oh, thank you, dear. As a matter of fact, I have several engagements requesting my services. Mrs. Gibbons wants us for dinner Friday. Bring my cards. Mrs. Hodges wants us over Saturday. Bring my cards. Mrs. Dunkel wants us over Sunday. Bring my cards. Mrs. Floyd wants me over tomorrow. Bring your cards? Uh, No, bring my plunger. Her sink is stopped up.
6: (laughs) Way. Everybody had a wonderful time, and we owe it
10: all to you. Well, you wanted me to entertain. The least I could do was try.
6: Oh, no, dear. That's why I feel so guilty. I did my best to keep you out of the house.
10: Harriet, what are you trying to give me? You wanted me in the house. I know all about my horoscope saying it would be dangerous for me to go outdoors today.
6: What horoscope?
10: Well, didn't your mother tell you that?
6: Mother didn't even mention your horoscope.
10: Well, some, I got the idea someplace. What are you doing?
6: I'm just curious. I want to see what your horoscope is for today. See, you're Pisces, aren't you? March 20th. Pisces, Pisces.
10: A look under Tootsie Roll.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Here it is.
6: Oh. It's lucky you did stay in today.
10: Well, then Thorny was right. It could have been dangerous.
6: Not for you, dear, but for me. Listen to this. Warning to wives. Be careful of your husband. Today is the one day in the year he is irresistible to women. Well, no wonder you were such a tremendous success with your card trick.
10: Irresistible Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that stuff's a lot of nonsense
8: <laughs>
6: Uh, Harriet Yes, dear? I think I'll
10: take a stroll down to the corner and get a paper
6: Oh, Ozzie, how can you be so cruel? Cruel? Well, of course, dear Didn't you hear your horoscope? You're irresistible to women today
2: Stop kidding
6: But you really are, dear I ought to know I'm a woman Please stay home
10: Okay, if it'll make you happy I'll stay in the house The rest of the day
6: Is that a promise?
10: That's a promise
6: Well, thank goodness I was afraid I was gonna have to do All those dishes by myself (laughs) Harriet Yes, dear?
10: Are you asleep?
6: Not quite, why? Why?
10: I just figured out how to do that trick I couldn't remember this afternoon. I- uh, take a card. Ozzie. Any card at all.
6: Ozzie. Yes, dear? It's after midnight. You're no longer irresistible to women.
1: Turn in again next week to another adventure of Ozzie and Harriet, starring Ozzie Nelson
0: and Harriet Hillier. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is Horace
2: Haidt. To tell you that in just a few seconds, you'll hear a pick group of America's great young entertainers, Competing for fame and stardom in our show on NBC, the National
7: Broadcasting Company. And that's the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, January twenty-third, nineteen forty-nine, with card tricks starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And that was sponsored by International Silver. And we've talked about this before, Lisa, right? Your mom had international silver. Uh, right? In a big wooden uh, case. My grandmother had it. Not, I don't know if it was your mom or your grandmom. Right?
4: I, I think it was her mom that passed yeah, it down passed to her. Passed it down. Same me. We don't me. actually use it, but it sits Do you in still that, have it? I'm sure my mom has it. Yeah. I don't have it.
7: I remember seeing it growing up. My mom's mom passed it down to her. It was in a wooden case. Yep. It had felt in yep. there,
4: and you have to clean it because it tarnishes. Oh, it, yeah, you this have was all.
7: Dip it. Ours and, was all tarnished.
4: Yeah, you have to clean yeah. it, rub it with a rag. I don't know. I know. <laughs> well, big on the cleaning. That
7: was the sponsor of Ozzy and Harriet back then. Uh, that show was heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on Hollywood Three Sixty more
0: hollywood 360 after these important messages
7: hi this is carl amari these classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered it's very important to me to offer you the best sound quality we license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you oh you can find classic radio shows sold on the internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality Quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and start collecting all your favorites. And brilliant sound quality. That's classic radio
0: Now back to the best in Classic Radio on Hollywood 360.
7: Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. To my left, the very talented Mike Costello. This is Hollywood360. And uh, we're about to tune in to Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. It starred William Gargan, came to NBC Radio in 1951 lasted till 1955 he was sort of a laid-back private eye working out of new york he was your man when you couldn't go to the cops and ralph bell portrayed his assistant lieutenant travis rogers cast members included Elspeth eric santos ortega arnold moss blake edwards actually wrote and directed a 1952 tv pilot but it was unsold a few years later gargan uh, played a similar character on TV called Martin Kane, Private Eye, but right now it's a radio adventure of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Let's go back to May 5th, 1955, five five fifty-five, with confession of murder. Here is Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator.
0: William Gargan stars as
2: Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. A lady killer is sometimes the worst-dressed guy around. How much of a figure can he cut in prison dress? The National
0: Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan... in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure... with Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
2: Craig speaking. You meet art exhibits in the human jungle... Walk down any street, especially when the hour is late. The species that creep by night. Call them neurotic. Call them throwbacks to the time when man stalked his prey with a club. You meet them and the chill on your spine spells out the word danger. Got a match, Cap? Got a match. Only a device to stop you. The next demand is your wallet or your life. You reach into your pocket for a match and what you come up with, you ram into a stomach. <laughs> Uh, What's this? A loaded gun. Hands touching the
3: stars. (laughs) Frisk me. All you'll get is exercise, Cap. I got empty pockets.
2: No switchblade knife? Yeah, you do have one. A lousy dollar knife. I still don't want it in me, butcher boy. And you...
3: Hey, are you a stick-up or not?
2: You're the stick-up. I mean, would be. I'm a detective.
9: A
1: dick?
2: You picked the wrong victim. Walk ahead of me. Hands nice and high.
3: You you taking me in? I am. Well, Cap, look, I only asked for a match.
2: As a preload to mugging? Concealed weapons. There's a city ban against switchblade knives.
3: Cap, uh, don't run me in. I'm asking you. Have a heart.
2: Allergic to the station house, huh? Yeah, that figures too. More in your mind than a switchblade knife. I wonder what it is. <laughs> I learned more about the boy from a career cop named Kennedy, Sergeant Kennedy.
1: Rough customer you brought in, Craig.
2: On the surface. And
1: on the inside. You're
2: overrating a punk. What's his record?
1: The usual. Petty theft, illegal entry, stolen cars, disorderly conduct, street fights. Meaning he served time? One year. In a correctional institution for juvenile delinquents.
2: What's his neighborhood gang called?
1: The Tarantulas. The worst of the teenage mobs.
2: Besides creeping by night, uh... What does uh, Spike Sanger do?
1: He's enrolled in a vocational high school. Course in repair mechanics.
2: Father, mother, people?
1: Father's dead. Lives with his mother. This is Stella Sanger. Mother's a factory worker.
2: Sweat him, Kennedy. Find his breaking point. My hunch is you wrap up a lot of stuff currently indexed as unsolved crimes. Spike Sanger popped back into my life the following afternoon in the form of a visitor to my office girl of 17, midi blouse, wide balloon skirt, ballet shoes of the Capizio type. She had books under her arm, stenographer's practice pad.
5: Are you Mr. Barry Craig?
2: Well, you entered without knocking.
5: I was preoccupied. I'm Bernice Cannon.
2: Selling magazine subscriptions?
5: I'm here about Spike Sanger. Oh. We keep company, Spike and I.
2: I wouldn't advertise it.
5: You're prejudiced against Spike like all the rest.
2: The rest of society.
5: You fine, righteous people. You all make me sick.
2: Well, we got into this quarrel awfully fast.
5: I didn't come here intending to quarrel.
2: Why did you come?
5: To beg you to help Spike, not persecute him. To ask you to think of him as a human being.
2: You want me to withdraw my complaint?
5: How can I accomplish anything with Spike if people like you arrest him on sight? Moniece. Yes?
2: Are you employed?
5: Part-time as a typist. I'm taking courses in stenography at a continuation school.
2: I see. I'm told Spike's enrolled in a vocational high school. Whose idea was that?
5: Mine. It was a bargain we made. If, if we were going to keep company, then
2: he. Was... I'll, uh. I'll think it over. And then maybe I'll intercede for your boyfriend. I'll see if I can help it. How long have you known Spike Sanger?
5: All my life. Where I was born, Spike was the baby next door.
7: That's the first portion of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. More after these words.
0: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
7: Now back to Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator.
2: I interceded for Spike Sanger. The district attorney yawned listening to me and then brushed me out of his office. An hour later, Sergeant Kennedy explained my failure to me.
1: There's something the D.A. couldn't tell you. What? What's officially developed with Spike Sanger. We sweated the boy like you advised. We found his breaking point.
2: What did he confess to?
1: Armed robbery and murder. You're shocked, huh, Craig?
2: Yes, I am. Give me the details, Kennedy.
1: One month ago in the Lower Bronx, a masked gunman stuck up the cashier of a loan association. Cashier was partly deaf, wore a hearing aid normally. But at the moment, it was turned off. He was eating his lunch. So he was slow to comply, slow getting over to the cash drawer. The gunman interpreted this as defiance. Bang! Shot the cashier dead. All amounted to over $8,000,
2: currency and coin. Spike Sayer confessed to this crime?
1: Spelled out every detail for us, practically reenacted it for us.
2: Well, the story's been in the newspapers. uh, Every detail of the crime is common public knowledge.
1: Spike Sanger knew stuff that never appeared in the press, Craig. Like? Like the exact amount of money in the cash drawer. The press mistakenly estimated it around $6,000. We never corrected them.
2: How much did Spike Sanger say?
1: A few bucks shy of $8,500. That figure was only known to the loan association management, to the insurance company involved... Mm -hmm and to the D.A.'s office.
2: I want to see Spike Sanger, Kennedy. They had Spike Sanger in the tomb. They were still sweating him, trying to get answers to other crimes listed on the books and solved. He was on the edge of his cot, head down between his knees. In the dumps with that look in his face a guy gets when he's turning suicide over in his mind. they confiscated his neckties, belt, and shoelaces. You get out of here, Cap. You branded yourself a killer, I'm told.
3: Yeah. And I'm your arrest. Pick up your medal at the front desk, hero. Not
2: a shred of evidence pointing at you. A crime that's a month old and cold. You'd never been tagged for it. <laughs> You sound like your man, I confessed. Self-protection is human nature, even among punks. It's unnatural to beg for electrocution. So I'm a freak. Cap, get out of here. Soon. I frisked you the other night. You were flat broke, not a red cent. Not even a whole cigarette on you. You were snitching butts from the gutter. Oh, now you're going to make poverty a crime, huh? What happened to the $8,500 you grabbed from the loan
3: association till? What happened? I blew it in. Where? Uh, here and there Broads, gin mills I played some pool I bet on the fight Went down to the racetrack Pigeonized has wings So was money You claim to have spent $8,500 in one short month Listen, I've been 17 years Dreaming of one big bin So I had it I can well, you Get out of here
2: How's your confession Going to sit with Bernice Cannon Bernice She loves you
3: Love? What's oh,
2: How's your confession Going to sit with your mother
3: My mom Ah, she's ahead My confession puts her ahead I've been bumming eight bucks a week from her Money for smokes and the movies
8: Get out of here, will you? I want you to get out of here
3: But
2: Mama Sanger wasn't rejoicing Over her eight buck raise and pay
3: I can't make you welcome in my house, Mr. Craig
2: I'm not really the cause of your son's troubles, Mrs. Sanger
3: you arrested Spike. His trouble started with you.
2: If not for you... His trouble started a long time before me, Mrs. Sanger. Post-infancy, boyhood, adolescence. Kids are okay, and then they're
3: not okay. When did he begin to get wild? Boy in the slums with an invalid father and a tired factory worker for a mother. A boy who was still hungry, getting up from the supper table... Never had a suit or shoes that somebody hadn't worn before him. Yet he had enough faith in in his heart to go to church every Sunday with his father. When did the father die? Spike was 13 years old.
2: Was it after the death of his father that Spike began to, well, get difficult? Get into scrapes?
3: Oh, I I don't know when or, or what. Live in a neighborhood like this. Drunks sleeping on the stoops and in the halls, a a saloon on every corner. Filth, broken plumbing, vermin. Do you expect boys to grow up into angels?
2: No, you can't expect... Well, do you think Spike is guilty of the crime of murder?
3: My son is wild, but he's not vicious. He could never kill another human being.
2: He's confessed that he has.
3: Oh, a boy tells stories... A boy tells stories to make himself great. Murders are great people. The newspapers make them famous. In the
2: Sanger living room, Spike's girl Bernice had her own brand of scorn.
3: The
5: miracle to me is that Spike didn't confess to assassinating McKinley or sinking the Titanic.
2: You think he lied in his confession? I know. Elaborate on that.
5: The day of the holdup in that loan association. The day and the time. Could Spike be there and be with me, too?
2: You're saying he was with you? And
5: 20 miles away from New York. We were hiking in Palisades Park. We had a cookout, frankfurters and toasted English muffets. We picnicked all day.
2: That's your alibi for Spike?
5: Go ahead. Be cynical. Mistrust everybody.
2: You love him. You'd naturally try to save him.
5: No, Mr. Craig. No? If Spike was a murderer, I couldn't love him.
2: Why would Spike confess to a crime he's innocent of?
5: He's bitter. He's disturbed I don't know. I'm not a doctor.
2: Where could Spike have picked up certain hidden details of the loan association stick up? Facts about it that never were accurately reported in the newspapers.
5: How? Gossip? Talk in the streets? Somebody boasting in a beer saloon where Spike was with his friends? Something somebody else told him?
2: Uh, tell me this Is there some man somewhere that Spike likes or admires? An older man?
5: Yeah, there is. Who? Mr. Milton, he's the school psychologist in Spike's vocational high school. Mr. Milton, Spike respects him. But why?
2: Just feeling my way. What if it turns out Spike is guilty, as per his confession?
5: I'll cry for a long time, Mr. Craig. And then I'll never in my life cry again. Is there something I can do to help Spike?
2: Mm, yes, there is. First, go down to the Legal Aid Society. Take Mrs. Sanger along. Tell them about Spike and solicit their legal help. Then give them an affidavit of that time alibi you claim for your boyfriend.
5: I'll do that.
2: And do this. That uh, street gang Spike hangs or uh, out with.
5: The tarantulas.
2: Uh, drop a hint here and there. Let the word circulate on the grapevine that Spike deliberately confessed falsely.
5: That Spike deliberately... For the
2: headlines, the notoriety. That he has a way out and isn't really worried. He's got a time alibi covering the murder day. And, uh, get this rumor going. That Spike knows everything there is to know about the murder of that cashier.
5: Everything there is to know, meaning he knows who the real murderer is.
2: That's the inference I want somebody to draw. Draw the inference and get a little panicky, panicky enough to make some up and move. At the vocational high school, the psychologist, Mr. Milton, showed genuine distress for Spike Sanger. The news came as a terrible shock. Uh, You were professionally interested in Spike. Even personally, Spike has charm and likability and cooperative qualities. Last term, he earned 14 service credits. Well, uh, what has been your gauge of? Spike Sanger. A certain emotional instability, normally optimistic, but then fits of depression. What causes them? Certain emotional maladjustment, uh, deep feelings of inferiority, guilts. Guilts about what? Well, I, I can't say. If we knew that, we could get to the root cause of his behavior. Well, what generally did Spike confide in you? Spike once blurted that he'd not attended his father's funeral. That he'd purposely hidden himself away all that day in a neighborhood movie. I see. Love for the mother, not so much love for the father. Now tell me this. Could a boy confess to a crime he didn't commit? Yes, a boy could. Why? Mm, Perhaps to punish himself for some other guilt, some secret feeling of guilt. Could an innocent boy insist on his guilt in a situation where punishment might mean the electric chair? Even so, yes. A boy bent on self-destruction could conceivably make such a confession. If Spike is asking for execution because of some secret guilt feelings, those secret guilts can't be the common, ordinary variety. Specify your thought, Mr. Craig. Okay, I'll specify. Say the boy wants to pay the capital penalty, electrocution, for a crime he didn't do. That suggests that the crime he did do is right up to size. His secret guilt feelings are over murder. Some undisclosed murder. Well, hmm, it's never as simple as that, Mr. Craig. Why not? Spike Sanger may feel secret guilt about some undisclosed murder. But that murder need not be actual. It can be imagined. It can be hallucinatory. He thinks he's guilty of it, but he's not. Yes. What we call a crime may be wholly fancied, or even if real, Spike can have magnified his own role in it, his uh, responsibility for it. I see. How oh, do I? Well, thanks, Mr. Milton. <laughs> Bernice Cannon reported her success with the tarantula gang grapevine to me. We met in a remote place, a wharf that looked over the uh, Hudson River.
5: It feels kind of funny being so clandestine, so furtive.
2: Try to flesh out a killer, you take risks. I don't want you spotted working with me. I don't want you hurt. Now, what's the story?
5: I have definite progress to report. Well, tell me. I dropped hints, as you told me to, about Spike's confession being false and how Spike knew every detail there was to that... that that happening. The robbery and murder. Well, I spent one evening in a social club the Tarantulas keep up. Horrid, dingy cellar at... I didn't even have to broach the subject to be clever.
2: The boys were buzzing with it, huh? Yeah. Well, go on.
5: Last night, I was approached on my street by a fellow known as Lou Lennox. Lennox is older. He's at least 24.
2: But he's around teenagers.
5: A smooth person with slits for eyes. A nervous twitch here in his cheeks. Constant twitch. Once a minute. Hold your eyes. You're fascinated.
2: Symptoms of a drug eater, I'd say. That figures, too. Armed robbery, wanton murder, and narcotics. Though, go on.
5: Lennox played up to me. Every male trick of charm and insinuation. How pretty I was and my figure. Why wasn't I in show business? Then he began talking about Spike. As artfully as he could, but so obviously. He pumped me for details and... All oh, that time, that awful twitch.
2: Lennox showed anxiety?
5: Yes. ever I've seen a man deep down afraid... He asked me for a date. Pretended he was falling for me.
2: He wants from you all that Spike knows about the Loan Association murder. Lennox figures a date and a few drinks will loosen you up.
5: It's to be tonight. Lennox has a car. He'll be outside my house.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I'll keep the date. Later that evening, I parked myself outside Bernice's house. Soon enough, Bernice's date rolled up. A souped-up convertible built of special parts taken from a half dozen other cars. It had pink fenders. Lennox had his horn going, signaling for Bernice to come down. I went to join him. Move over, Lennox. I'll take the wheel. Who who are you? What does my gun suggest? A hood or a cop? A cop. Bernice isn't disposed for fun tonight, but I am. Fun? I, I... Fun with you. We're going to hold up somewhere and play charades. I'm going to tell you about a loan association office in the lower Bronx. the a deaf cashier who wore a hearing aid. And then, from the material I supply, you're going to tell me who done it. (laughs) Lennox amazed even himself. He lasted all night. With the break of dawn, he reached his breaking point. At headquarters, I waited until the police stenographer completed typing up the Lennox Confession. Kennedy stood around looking just a little perplexed. Two confessions
1: to the same murder? Which do you believe, Kennedy? Lennox's. He's been up for murder before, and not only that... Oh, I'll cut.
2: I want a carbon of Lennox's confession.
8: Sure. The
1: typist is finished here.
2: And Now I want it signed. Then I want to pass to the tombs. Sure. Sure thing. I watched Spike Sanger read the confession to murder, signed by Lennox.
3: Lou Lennox. He moved into the neighborhood when I was only a kid. Seven.
2: He's moving out of the neighborhood and into the hot seat. And you're going home, Spike. Home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they'll hang out the flags and throw me a block party. Bernice stuck with you all the way. She found Lennox for me. When a girl like Bernice is loyal to a guy,
3: there must be something to the guy. Yeah, whams in the girl's head. Ah, oh, she's crazy enough to couple off with Sam Kuzak. Sam's big for music. He's out there in the Lawson Stadium summer nights. And that Landreth, this old man owns. Oh, how the coin rolls in.
2: Bernice is for you, Spike. Only you, all the way. Whams in a head.
7: Whams.
2: They buried your father when you were 13, Spike. While the funeral was on, you were hard to find. You hid in the movies. Why do you bring that up? An idea I picked up. You got along fine with your mother, but not with your father. There you were uh, antagonistic.
8: He sat
3: in that chair with his bum heart. Always in that chair, waiting for me to come home from school.
2: Waiting to get busy with something.
3: Get busy with you. Always lacing it into me. For nothing. The worst words he knew. And throwing things at me. Oh, he was a
2: nervous man. In his prime years, but a useless invalid. Oh, sure.
3: He had that
2: excuse.
3: That I was the butt. I was the
2: goat. Do you feel guilty about your father's death?
3: Feel guilty? Me?
2: You have some idea that you murdered him, Spike?
8: That that day, Pop killed over, and then the
3: ambulance doctor pronounced him. Pronounced? Huh?
2: You'd come home from school, and there'd been a quarrel—the usual quarrel. Then your father suffered a heart attack.
3: I killed him. I got him so excited, he fell down on the floor. So that's it,
2: huh? You blame yourself for a death that had to happen sooner or later. That day, or the next day, or the next week. If I'd have shut up, if I'd kept my trap shut. You see yourself as your father's murderer in your secret guilt. That you tried to die for a crime you had nothing to do with.
8: It, it's crazy, huh?
2: You're mixed up, Spike, but you're a decent kid. In your own odd way, a very decent kid. And now that that's what's had you so confused is out in the open, I think you'll be okay. With just a little clinical help, I know you'll be very okay.
3: (laughs) You sound like we're coming out of this friends.
2: We're friends. Sure, Spike. We're friends, all right.
0: You've been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from The Adventures of Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. Tonight's story, Confession of Murder, was written by John Robert. The National Broadcasting Company has just brought you an NBC Radio Network production with William Gargan, starring as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator, directed by Andrew C. Love. Our cast included Jack Edwards, Barney Phillips, Jane Webb, Noreen Gamill. Stanley Farrar and Paul Richards. Convicts tell their true life stories on the loser tonight over most NBC radio stations.
7: And that's Barry Craig, confidential investigator from May 5th, 1955, with Confession of Murder, starring William Gargan, as heard on NBC. Uh, hey, look what I have here, Lisa. Oh, Remind magazine. Mike, you see this? I do. This is the uh, this is the newest issue. It's the November issue of Remind Magazine. It's all about Hollywood's nastiest feuds. Oh, I haven't look who's on the cover yet. there, right? Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. And, uh, there was that great series feud that was on, uh, television recently. Oh, that was so well done. Uh, but look, there's, uh, mug shots there of Frank Sinatra and, uh, Jane Fonda, and, uh, I haven't, oh, I haven't read this one yet. I just got it in the mail a couple of days ago. But, you know, every issue of Remind Magazine, it's just chock full of fun articles and posters and photographs and crossword puzzles and you name it. And it's all for the nostalgia lover. And right? I know
4: you have an article that you write each month. What is the article on for November?
7: Oh, it's on Jack Benny.
4: Oh I love it. And it's Jack sort of Benny.
7: like a sort of a sort of a scandal that uh, happened with Jack Benny. Um About moving from NBC to CBS and how they sort of lured him to do that with lots of cashola. So is that sort That's of the how theme? I got you to be the co-host? Well,
4: you know, we Same all way. need the little cashola right. in
7: our lives. Yeah, I just bribed you away from the other I radio show. I am very bribable. Me too. Uh, it doesn't take much to bribe me to say that right now. Yeah, it's all about Jack Benny. And then our schedule is in there as well. See that, Lisa? So, uh, make sure you read your Remind Magazine. And folks out there in Radio Land, you will absolutely love this magazine. If you're not a subscriber, you should go to their website, remindmagazine.com, and check it out. Because you save about 60% off the newsstand price when you uh, subscribe off their website,
4: right? Anybody listening to this show would love Remind magazine, no yes. question.
7: I agree, a hundred thousand trillion percent.
4: If only you did that every time I yeah. said something. <laughs>
7: I agree with you, Lisa. I agree with you, Lisa. Thank you. You should I'll record that. that and use it as uh, on your up. on your phone. You no know, you know, it's like your Mike, answering machine. You're on it. Let's take a break. Then it's more on Hollywood 360.
0: More Hollywood 360. After these important messages. For nearly 100
10: years, folks have trusted Blue Star Medicated Ointment to relieve the pain and itching of almost any skin
2: irritation.
4: It works on my son's dry itching feet and their jock itch. I
2: had this rash on my neck. Nothing worked until Blue Star.
4: Blue Star worked
1: great on my ringworm without steroids. My wife and I have been using Blue Star for
0: years. It's never let us down.
10: Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back.
0: To help explain how fast it is to make Bob Evans Original Mashed Potatoes, here are a few things to do while they're microwaving. One, prune your Facebook friends. Sorry, Aunt Brenda. Two, six-minute abs. Get ripped. Three, meditate. Namaste. Because with Bob Evans Original Mashed Potatoes, you take it from the fridge, then microwave it for six minutes. For rich, homemade taste that's really fast to make, find Bob Evans in the refrigerated section of your grocery store. It's farm-fresh goodness, fast.
3: Bob Evans down on the farm
8: you're up before O dark 30
0: you don't ask for medals or even a pat on the back but if all your hard work is indeed its own reward then consider the new ram limited tungsten edition as a bonus natura plus leather seating premium projector headlamps suede headliner packaged in the highly capable hard-working truck you'd expect from ram keep doing what you do but who says you can't do it in a nicer truck The new Ram Limited Tungsten, the most luxurious Ram truck ever. Ram is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. What's that? Oh, a holiday card from the Wilsons. Are, Are we friends with them?
4: Yeah, but I didn't think we were holiday card friends. When your priority is sending out holiday cards on time, you
8: use the United States Postal Service because you can't let the Wilsons think they're an afterthought. Honey, are we also
0: holiday card friends with your mom?
8: Really? Get your cards out on time with USPS, the United States Postal Service. Priority, you. And now with the informed delivery feature, you get a digital preview of your mail before it arrives. Stuff. We've all got
5: it. But here's the thing about stuff. We tend to lose it. Wouldn't it be great if there's a little thing called tile that helped you find your stuff? With a tap on your phone. Hey, there's my keys or bike or stuffed panda Ernie. But what if tile was more than that? What if Tile was an entire community of people coming together to turn lost stuff into found stuff? Wouldn't that be great? Visit Tile.com to join a world where everyone can find
8: everything that matters. Tile. Together we find.
0: Your brain is an amazing thing, but as you get older, it naturally begins to change, causing a lack
10: of sharpness or even trouble with recall. Thankfully, the breakthrough in Prevagen helps your brain and actually improves memory. The secret is an ingredient originally discovered in jellyfish. In clinical trials, Prevagen has been shown to improve short-term memory. Prevagen, the name to remember, now available in stores everywhere. Statements have not been evaluated
7: by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
7: Well, next time, it's The Adventures of Frank Merriwell from 1948. Then George Burns and Gracie Allen will be here to entertain us from 1941. That's next time, right here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.